Hello, my sweet summer children. Welcome to another episode of my little unnamed podcast that you listen to while you walk the dog or sew or knit or drive to work or whatever it is you do to keep your hands busy while you listen. I'm your host, Bethany Mayo. Today, I'd like to get into a little bit of my family oral history with you. I think every family has its firsts. You know, the first person to graduate school or the first person to work in a particular field. And these first often go unremarked by those outside the family, and often they go unremarked by those inside the family, unless you ask someone. This past summer, I learned about an incredible first in my family. Apparently, my grandmother was the first black woman on the radio in the Midwest to have her own radio show. This is a big family first, and I had no idea about it. So I wanted to explore a little bit of that oral history with you and see what I could find out about my grandmother's time on the radio. To give you a little bit of setup, sometime in July, my dad happened to mention very casually that my grandmother, his mother, had been on the radio when she was younger. And I needed him to just full stop on that little piece of information because that was nothing that I had ever heard before. I asked him everything he could remember about it. And he told me that it was a Sunday night show called Black Awareness and that it aired in Des Moines, Iowa for a few years somewhere about 1970. The rest, he said, I'd have to ask my grandma about. So I called her one afternoon, and I recorded the conversation so that I could really focus on listening and not be bothered by taking notes. And you're about to hear that conversation. Before you do, you need to know a few things about my grandma. First of all, she's 81 kissing on 82. So her conversation is not always direct. Um, Her memory is okay, but it's not great. And that affects how I speak to her. When I deal with people who have memory issues, I tend to use this strategy that I call yes and. You're sort of employing the tips and tricks of improvisational strategies as you speak to people who are functioning outside of the normal memory recall that young, neurotypical, healthy people enjoy. So I don't stop to correct her when she's off track. I never tell her that she already said that. I just go with her where she is. This research was something I was exposed to, and it starts with the work of Karen Stoby for me. She has a tech talk that she gives with her husband about memory loss and improv. She was on This American Life, and she also wrote a book called In the Moment, And you can find more about her work with improvisation strategies and memory loss on her website at karenstoby.com. From me, you'll hear a lot of paraverbal encouragement as my grandma's talking. A lot of mmms, a lot of yes, a lot of uh uh-huh, to let her know that I'm with her. And there are a few places where she does repeat herself. However, these repetitions frequently lead to a new piece of information and I think that it has value, and this is the conversation we had, and I'm sharing it with you. Next, she's really a woman of her age in some of the language that she chooses to use. So at one point of the conversation, she uses the word mulatto, which is a very heavily fraught word for a person 
of mixed heritage applied sometimes positively and sometimes derisively to a person with both black and white parents. You can find this word coming up in usage in connection to slavery and enslaved persons, and its use carries forward through my grandmother's time, and eventually it's supplanted with words like mixed, mixed race, mixed heritage, dual heritage, all of those more appropriate words, but mulatto is by no means an acceptable word by the current cultural standards, and so even though she's using it very casually, and people of her age may choose to use it very casually because at the time that was the word for that thing. It's not a word that we can use now outside of a very specific set of contextual circumstances. So I don't want to get any emails or tweets or texts about the using of the word mulatto. Don't do it. I'm not endorsing it. I'm just giving you a little bit of context. Read the word. Which brings me to my next topic. She speaks very frankly, but in somewhat vague terms when she talks about the racism she experienced in her workplaces. She tells some stories and she names some names. It is what it is. I left all those names in. Um, I guess email me about it if you're mad. She is the oral history queen of my paternal line. And she's been featured on Des Moines local television station, KCCI, for this gigantic family tree she used to have on her apartment wall. The tree goes back almost 400 years, full eight generations. She's also been working on an autobiographical book that she called Half-Breed's Hell. She's been writing this book for as long as I can remember. And in there, I'm sure there are more stories of the things that she went through as a young mixed-race woman growing up in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, but she's never let me read it. And I don't know why for sure. I can only suspect. So I suspect that there are some frightening, alarming instances of racism and white supremacist behavior that she had to endure, and that that's nothing that she was really prepared to share with her young granddaughter at the time. So where we're going to come into the conversation, she is just telling me about having decided she wanted to work in radio. She gets her best stuff on and she goes down to the radio station KIOA, is greeted by the receptionist, and is taken into a meeting with the station manager. And that's where we're going to pick this up. And so she said, if you will wait a few minutes, I'll go in and see if he has time to see you. And come turn out that this woman was my worst enemy. Oh, no. Uh, that's when I found out that white women can't stand the competition. Mm. They can't take it. They can't take it. They get sick and everything else. If they run into a black female that's giving them some competition. So, anyway, yeah, that's how that went. So Mr. Marcello looked at me and he said, you know, you don't sound black. And I said, yes, I realize that. <laughs> I said, but it's not that I'm trying to sound white. I said, my mother is white, 
and some of the characteristics that I have, including speech, come from my mom. You know, so. He said, when can you start? Can you start Monday? <laughs> I said, yes, I can start Monday. Yes. And I've been at it ever since until I got too old. Uh-huh. So what year did you start? Huh? What year did you start? Year? Yeah. Sixty-eight, I believe. Yeah. And how long were you on the air? <laughs> I was uh, quite a while. Because I started at KIOA. I did on the scene coverage of the news. And then I worked my way up to news director. And that's when the SH is the plan. Uh-huh. Because now I have moved over into the white folks world okay and gave me some problems oh goodness yeah they don't, they don't white girls don't like competition yeah i mean with looks professions anything else clothes mm-hmm. they don't like competition Mm. So, uh, they get sick and carry on. Yeah. Do you remember going with some guy named Gil? I do remember yeah. Gil. Yeah, well, I remember Dad talking about Gil. He taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Because he was on the upper echelon uh, of where blacks were. And very wealthy. And, uh, he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about white women because he lived in their world. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah, and he used to talk to me about that all the time. About how uh, the competition was going to be really bad, and that I was going to run into some problems. Uh. Because of my hair and my skin color and other stuff. And I did. I surely did. So, anyway, that's that. That's that. Yes, I did. That man told me, said, can you start Monday? (laughs) (laughs) So then after after you worked at KIOA, did you go to another radio station? I did. Where'd you go? I did. I went over to KSO, and they had me doing my own talk show. Yeah, that's what that's Dad what was talking was. about. The the black awareness is what he said. Absolutely, yes. And he said you yes. had a um a way that you would introduce the show, and then a way that you would close the show, and it was the same. Oh yeah, and I named it Rap Out. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. 
Do you remember? <laughs> this is so cool for me. I'm so I'm so excited about this. I, I, I uh, This is so fun for me to know about you. Oh my goodness! I'm so yeah. impressed. I. Do you remember the rap out? Do you remember what it was? Um, I can probably remember some of it. Uh-huh. Okay. It says that time has come around, and my time has come around, and I must put the records on the shelf and dismiss myself. <laughs> That's what I wrote. I wrote dinner every night. Wow. Next thing I know, everybody was doing the rap out. Everybody. Wow. From here all through Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. I w- I called um, KIOA, but you know they don't have um, like a historian or archivist. Um, no, so I've been no. trying to find if I could find a if someone somewhere has a copy of your show. Oh. So I could hear it. Well, you probably need to call the station, and i tell you what you're going to run into that will be a problem. Okay. Uh, that station was an AM station, AM, FM. Uh-huh. Then it went to, then it went to, uh. What did it go to? It went to Country Western. Okay. And yes. And I think that it remains there. Uh, Country Western went into that. And uh, it'd be hard pressed to find. So, so the disc jockey that I worked with was very, uh, they were very popular. Mm-hmm. And the main one, name was Dick Young. And he died. So, finding somebody from back then would be very difficult. Okay. Uh, I don't have enough information even to help you. Sure. Um, the reach the receptionist's name was Jan. Okay. Was Jan, and she was so jealous of me, she couldn't. But in the disc jockeys are ornery. They mm. would do stuff to her. Aww. And say things to her that would make her dislike me, you know. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, they would. they tell her, oh, shut up, you just answer the phone here. Mm. No one does the news. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. feisty. So. Oh, it is. Wow. Oh, she said it set me up for there to always be a conflict between me and her. Mm-hmm. And it got so bad 
that she was telling my boss that I, I wasn't at home sick this day. She saw me out to Target shopping. And she drove tell that. And then she said one time that I turned the coffee urn on in the break room and that that great big giant urn of coffee poured down into the carpet. She told him I did that. Yeah. And just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that, that stuff you got to run into. Mm. Uh-huh. Fight your way through that crap in order to try to get up. Yeah. And it wore me down, Bethany. I bet. Uh, it is. I got tired of fighting it. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, thank God for my mom and dad. They made me look like I look. They're the ones that caused me to talk the way I talked. And I had a ball living life and looking just like I look. I embraced the fact that we were mulatto people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I enjoyed it. I have enjoyed that. So KSO is where you had your your evening show. Oh, that's KIOA because I couldn't take the pressure. Okay. Nobody prepared me for the snags I went into and had to put up with. Mm-hmm. So I quit. I quit KIOA and I went to KSO and radio, and they're the ones that put me on my own talk show. I see. They did that. KSO. KSO. And that was uh, that was Sunday night, right? Sunday night. That was on Sunday night, yes. Yes. Okay. And I had people chasing me home from the radio station because I got off at midnight. Oh, my gosh. I shut my, show da- shut my show down at midnight, got off the air at midnight, and uh, there was folks trying to catch me between the radio station and home mm-hmm. so they could hurt me. Yeah. So I had a police escort home from my job. Yeah. Yeah, Dad but said I, that sometimes Grandpa, his Grandpa, would um, pick you, take you over there and pick you up sometimes. Yeah, sometimes he would. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. Look, I'm on a mission. I'm going to see if I can find a recording of this show. There's got to be one somewhere. Yeah, well, you might want to start with uh, radio station KSO. Okay. And... A little bit of information that might help you mm-hmm. would uh, be the name of my show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Black Awareness. I came on at I did a midnight show. What a uh-huh. So you were you would come you would go off the air at midnight. 
So did you mm-hmm. go on at 11 or 10? At 11. Mm-hmm. At 11. Okay, so you had an hour. Mm-hmm. Cool. This is the coolest. I'm, 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 I'm excited about this. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find anything. Now, I remember, maybe it was at Aunt Tanya's, there was a um, newspaper article that you were in. There's a picture of you and a picture of Aunt Tanya. In a, she always talked about the wig she had on a wig that she didn't like. Yeah, it was, um, it was an article on... The Working Mother. Okay. And it featured me and, uh, I was the main feature, but it did feature other moms that worked. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The other moms that worked. That's really cool. there was two or three outlets, but, yeah, so, that was a headline. Okay. For me. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find a copy of that. I'll let you, I'll, I'll search around for a little while and then um, I'll let you know what I can find. Uh, I got a copy of it. In fact, I got a copy that's laminated too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I think your Uncle Chunky has it or Tanya, one or the other. Yeah. In my doctor papers, yeah. Okay. It won't be too hard for you to get a hold of. Okay. You could also write to Omaha World Herald and ask them for a copy. Okay. Of Black and White Make More Than Gray. That's the name of it that where, uh, it was published. So. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you, do you remember around what year it was? That you wrote that article? 68. 68? Yeah, 1968. And and what year was the article about the working mom? Was that in the Des Moines Register? It was, and there's a... I got a copy of that. Because that featured Chauncey. Me going to school with Chauncey. Uh And the Register and Tribune was there at the school doing a feature article on the children's uh, schoolwork in Chauncey's class. Uh-huh. So there's a picture of him and me together at school, and he's pointing to the blackboard and some of his work that's up there that the teacher put up there. Yeah, okay. uh-huh. yeah so that's... That's the way that went. Okay. That's so exciting. Um, yeah, I... It was exciting. Yeah. And one of the glamour jobs. <laughs> yes. It was a glamour job, yeah. Yeah. That's the history on my broadcasting. That's amazing. Well, um, I don't want to hold you all day. I just wanted to call and talk to you a little bit about it and see what I could find, and um, I'll look around and call around, and then I'll, I'll call you back. It might take a couple weeks for me to find anything. You know, with all the libraries are closed, and, you know, so it might... Yeah, it might take a minute to find something.
So after this conversation concluded, I had about a million questions. I had seen the article in the Des Moines Register that she mentioned um, with my aunt and my dad, and they're all gathered around the radio equipment, um, but I wasn't able to locate it on any kind of microfiche. I attempted to locate her license or her call sign, but I could only find what looked like the general call sign status for the radio station KSO. I did find the path that she mentioned about KSO's history. It did switch from a talk radio to a country station, and it made some other journeys as it was bought and sold a few times. Another issue I ran into about the records is with the DJs. There's plenty of information about DJs and on-mic staff, particularly men, but there is almost no mention of female staff. So I started with DesMoinesBroadcasting.com since it claims to have a fairly comprehensive history of the Des Moines broadcasting system, both television and radio, since its inception. But women's contributions generally in history are often overlooked. And specifically in this area, I can say that I found the same thing. Not only are women's contributions frequently overlooked, but a black woman in the 70s would have been twice overlooked. My grandmother is fair, and she did inherit her polished voice, we're going to call that. But what really is happening is that she's code switching. That's the term that we're using now. But at the time, and even when I was growing up, it was really common for white people to tell me that I spoke so well or that I, I could talk really nicely for whatever that's worth. So I think that's a little bit funny that that's something that she experienced in 1970 and that's something that I experienced in the 90s when I was growing up and socializing about. Her fair skin and polished voice were enough to get her on the radio to start with, but she was and is, after all, a black woman and thus kind of subject to the dismissal that one might expect of that time and geographic location. More challenges? Any tape from that era that survives would be reel to reel. So even if I did find a recording, I might not have a way to play it. I went through all the traditional routes that I could manage through the internet via my keyboard and phone calls, and I couldn't get very far, so I decided to reach out to a college in town, Drake University, and their alumni association looking for anyone who would have been at the university during the time her show was on the air sometime between 1970 and 1975. But, you know, this drama of pandemic life, I haven't been able to hear back from them. And I don't know if that's because no one in their alumni association is that old or if no one has anything to share. I'm really unclear. And so that's something that I'm continuing to monitor. But with all the libraries closed and archives closed around the country, it's really hard to know what to look for. This kind of research is absolutely not my thing, and I'm a bit stuck as to what to do next. Do I need a fact checker? Do I need an archivist? Do I need some other kind of researcher? And even if I can't find a recording of her show, I'd love to speak to someone who was a listener. So here's my plea. If you were living in Des Moines between about 1970 and 1975, and you listened to a show on the radio called Black Awareness on Sunday nights on a station called KSO from 11 to 12, then I want to hear from you. Please, please, please drop me a line on Twitter. My handle is B underscore G underscore quilting, 
or you can find me on Facebook at Bethany Mayo, or you can email me at browngirlcreating.com. Please, please, please help me find some information. Help me find your recording. I really want to celebrate her accomplishment. So, and I need help to do it. And that help is going to come from you guys. So, big thank you to Velma Turner, my grandmother, our guest for today. And the link for the video where she appears on KCCI will be available in the description box. That book she's writing, Half Breeds Hell, I'll be sure to let you know when it's published. Also, continued thanks to Scientific Uppercut, who does all the music for the podcast. You can listen to them wherever music streams. Join me next time for whatever it is I'll be talking about when I know, I'll be sure to let you know, uh, the burning question. Will I ever name this podcast? (laughs) I hope so. But until that time, my dears, be brilliant.